Verse 19. Two, 19. There are a lot of you here today. I don't think we have enough communion. Okay, so consider one another more important than yourself. Give that up. Philippians 2.19, uh, Paul said, writes, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him, no one, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not, of the, not those of Jesus Christ. But you, you know Timothy's proven worth. How is a son... With a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, because I'm in jail. And I trust that the Lord, in the Lord that I myself will come also, so he expects to get out. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Not distressed that he was ill, but that you knew about it. There lots of you like that in churches. Verse 27. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him and not on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. And I am more eager to send him, therefore... So that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I might be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is God's word. And as we get into it, it's an appropriate word for our two churches today. So just uh, quickly, uh, members of Christian Life Church, raise your hand. Okay, members of FBC, raise your hand. Okay, and if you didn't raise your hand, you're not anywhere. I just wanted to know who you were, okay? Um, Who am I looking for today? So, uh, Paul is writing this letter um, during his captivity in Rome around 61 AD to about 20 to 30 believers um, in Philippi. So, I know you open up your Bible, you read the letters, and you think, man, this is like to a whole region or whatever. He's writing to 20 or 30 people. And you know, this, this church at Philippi, it grows uh, a lot. Guess how big it gets? Like 80. <laughs> um, they, they supported him, Paul's uh, ministry in love and prayer and finances and even in sending uh, people to them, Epaphroditus. So Paul writes this letter um, to thank them, to uh, warn them that, hey, tr- I'm in jail because of persecution. You guys, it might be coming for you too. And then he also writes this letter to tell a few of them uh, to grow up, okay, to stop bickering and just be Christians, be adults. It's a very beautiful letter, wonderful letter, very human letter. Like he, he writes, like, hey, stop being jerks. Figure it out, okay? Just, I would shake you if I could. So just to recap, to get us to here, chapter one, he says, I thank God for you all. Uh, I, I long for you guys with the same affections of Christ Jesus, which means Jesus has affections, which is his whole um, big thing. He says, God's going to finish the work that he started in you and you are going to stand blameless at the day of the Lord, which is what Sherry, wherever Sherry is. Hi, you prayed that same thing. Paul just hits that thing over and over and over to be blameless. 
at the day of the Lord. Then chapter 1, he goes into this bit about um, his imprisonment actually being a good thing, right? You guys think it's bad I'm in jail? It's actually good because the gospel's going to the whole uh, imperial guard and on and on and on. Then he says, if I live... Great, I can do fruitful ministry for a little bit longer. And then he says, if I die, great. To live is Christ, to die is gain, because I get to go and be with the Lord and await the resurrection. And I'll appear in the sky with Jesus and the whole um, bit. Then chapter 1 finishes with a plea for unity and a sober uh, warning and reminder to them that, hey... If you remain loyal to Jesus, it will be necessary for you to suffer for his sake. And that's where chapter 1 ends. Chapter 2 then is like Paul's greatest hits. Okay, So people who aren't believers have have heard the stuff in chapter 2. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Why? Because this is how God has acted in Christ towards you. And because Jesus lived this way, God highly exalted him. And because God has highly exalted him, out of the day of the Lord, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess him as Lord of the universe, right? Of all things. And therefore, since that day is coming, Paul says, be careful how you walk. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling because this is a very real day on God's calendar that is coming for you. And then in, in the end of chap- that section of chapter 2, therefore, guys, since this day is coming and since you have received the gospel, shine as lights of the coming age in this age of darkness. OK, so so we're caught up in the letter. He says all that. Gives this example of Jesus as the, as the humble, um, sacrificial servant on behalf of others. And then, like a good teacher, he gives examples. People who walk this out, okay? And he lists two real people, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And when we did youth ministry, we called him Epap, okay? Like a rap name, okay? So let's, this is what I want to look at. I want to look at Timothy and Epaphroditus and Jesus today. So first Timothy... Uh, our, uh, Philippians 2:19. He says, "I hope in the Lord Jesus. I want to send Timothy to you soon, so that I may be cheered by news of you." So he says, I'm going to send Timothy to you, so that Timothy can come back to me and tell me how well you guys are obeying this letter that I've written. Okay, it's like a letter from mom and dad. Like, hey, give this to the other kids. Okay, come back, uh, especially Uida and, and Syntyche. If you guys aren't behaving, when I get out of jail, I'm coming for you. Okay. So this is what he wants to send Timothy so that he might be cheered to how they are doing. But why does he send Timothy? Like what about Timothy is like what makes Paul go, I'm going to grab Timothy and I'm going to send him to Philippi. He tells us, verse 20, I'm sending Timothy because I have no one like him. I have no one uh, else that, that has the same heart that Timothy has. No one like Timothy who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Okay, so Paul loves the crew at Philippi, and because he loves the crew, he's sending a unique person to them. He's sending someone that has the same love that Paul has for them. Okay, the same love I have, Timothy has for you. So I'm going to send Timothy to you, and he's he's doing this because this is how God does things. Okay, if you read through Paul, look at his life. This is kind of his mo. It's like he sees what God is like, and he says, okay. I'm going to try. I'm going to aim and give my life to trying to be like God. Right? Ephesians 5 says be imitators of God. What the heck? You know what I mean? (laughs) 
But, but this is the deal. Paul sends someone with the same heart as he because God sends someone with the same heart as he. John 3.16, God loved the whole world that he gave who? His only son. I have no one like him, Paul says. God says, I, I have my only son. Here you go. He sent the son because there's no one like the son who, will, who shares the same heart and love for the world. I'm sending Timothy because I have no one like him. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've, you've seen the Father. God sends the Son to reveal the, the Father. Okay, so that's, I have no one like him. This is what God does. This is what Paul does. And what makes Paul and Timothy so similar? Okay, why is Timothy unique in Paul's eyes? Well, it's nothing outrageous or spectacular. Okay, like it's not like I'm sending Timothy because he's got billions of dollars. I'm sending Timothy because, you know, he's got three eyes or whatever. Like there's nothing unique about him. What makes Timothy unique and what marks Timothy as the only sort of person that Paul will send back to Philippi. Are you ready for this? That he cares for people. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, even above his own. Which is exactly the song that Paul sang in in the start of chapter 2. Do nothing from selfish ambition. Or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, Paul says, which is just what Jesus did. Verse 6, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. So Jesus doesn't come to earth and use his power as, as God to take advantage of people, but rather he emptied himself, he goes low takes the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Verse 9, therefore, in view of all of this, in view of Jesus' humble and obedient love uh, to God and love for people, in view of this, therefore, God is highly exalted. Right? There's a reason Jesus is seated at the right hand of God and not anyone else. Because he alone has lived his life in a way that is perfectly pleasing and obedient to God. And in life that is perfectly in service to other people always. This is who Jesus is. So Paul says, I'm sending Timothy to you guys because Timothy is like Jesus. I'm sending Timothy to you guys because Timothy genuinely cares and is concerned for your welfare. I'm sending Timothy because Timothy will put his life on the line for you. Because Timothy will disadvantage himself in time, energy, money, fill in the blank, whatever. I'm sending Timothy because Timothy acts like Jesus. And Jesus is genuinely concerned for your welfare. So just two quick points here. First to our Baptist friends, thank you for your genuine concern for us. Okay, thank you Amen. so much. Your, your worth in this regard, uh, verse 22, it's been proven, right? You know Timothy's proven worth. I know the Baptist's proven worth, okay? I walked into Terry's office, said, hey, let me bounce something off of you. And instantly he's like, awesome, let's do it. Instantly, okay? You didn't have to bring us in, but you did. And it's a very Jesus-y thing you've done. It's a very Timothy-y thing you've done. It's, it's, it's Jesus stuff that's happening here. And we're, we're grateful. Okay? Second, to any unbelievers today. We want you to know this. That Jesus has genuine concern for your eternal welfare. Okay? 
This is how Jesus has acted towards you. The punishment for your sin and your rebellion against God is death in a fiery lake. Okay? The wages of your sin is death. The wages of your sin is punishment. Okay? Not a fairy tale. Very real. You will be thrown into a lake of fire if you do not repent of your sin. But God shows his love for you. Rebel, sinner, wretch. God shows his love for you. God shows his genuine concern for you by sending his son to serve you. Right? Jesus is servant of all, Matthew 20, 28. This is who he is by taking your sin upon himself and taking your deserved place on a cross. This is the heart of Jesus for you. He does not want any to perish, but all would come through repentance and inherit eternal life. I mean, I read... You've heard it, John 3, 16. God loved the world. How did he show it? By sending his son. So that everyone who trusts in him, who puts all their marbles in his basket for eternal life, will be saved. And not perish. And not be thrown into a lake of fire. He has genuine concern for your welfare. And so our call to you today from CLC and FBC is to respond to God's act of grace in Jesus with gratitude. With thanksgiving, then turn from your sin and put your trust in Jesus to raise you from the dead on the last day. This is the gospel call that goes out to everyone. All men everywhere should repent and put their trust in Jesus. And I promise you, you will live forever. World without end. No more sadness, no more pain, no more crying, no more tears, no more death. This is a free gift of God for you if you will repent. If you will turn, if you will put your trust in Jesus, okay? And so if you have questions about that and you're sitting next to a member of either of our churches, say, hey, I got questions about repentance. I got questions about what it means to follow Jesus. I got questions about the cross and death and resurrection and all this stuff. Ask them. They can tell you. They can help you follow Jesus. And once you're like, okay, I'm ready to follow Jesus, we'll dunk you in this pool. You'll come up and be raised to new life on the last day. How's that? Good? Okay. So, Paul gives the example of Jesus and holds up Timothy, but then he throws in this other cat, Epaphroditus, okay? Before this Sunday, have you ever heard of Epaphroditus? You don't have to raise your hand. I knew, Josh. I read my Bible all the time. I knew. Okay. Epaphroditus, as a, as a person, he is the gift that Philippi sent Paul, right? Paul needs help, and they don't send him. I mean, they do send him money, but they also just say, hey, you go. We'll send you a person. And now Paul is sending him back to them, presumably um, with this letter. So what does he have to say about Epaphroditus? First, he is a brother. Verse 25. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother. Now, Paul and Epaph are not blood family, correct? Okay. Paul is the Jewiest Jew that ever Jewed. And Epaphroditus is, is clearly not. Okay. Like if his name means belonging to Aphrodite, like a, a Greek goddess. Like these are not, <laughs> these are not the same. But this man, Epaphroditus, has believed the same gospel as Paul, has the same hope as Paul, and therefore shares the same family as Paul. And so, if you name the name of Jesus, you are a brother, you are a sister. This is your family. So again, just Baptist people, like we count you as brother. Count you as sister, like we are, uh, Robert was in a family of God this morning, like, we feel that, okay? It, it, it's real, you know, like in, especially in, in Baptist world, we, hey brother, well now when I say it, I mean it, 
know? I mean it. So first, he's a brother. Second, Epaphroditus is a fellow worker. Fellow worker. Um, so I'll just... I'll, might not be evident or obvious to you. Not all of the ministry done in the New Testament is done by Paul. <laughs> what? No, really. He, he, he is the most famous for, for good reason. Um, but if you read... The accounts of, of, of Paul in Acts, and then you read his letters, he uses this term, uh, fellow worker, and, and other similar terms, uh, to refer to 80 to 90 different men and women. Okay? Fellow worker. Fellow minister. Uh, you know, uh, we won't do that. All kinds of different, different words for it. These are people who, after hearing the gospel from Paul... Uh, uh, or, or from one of Paul's fellow workers, and responding to it in repentance and faith and baptism, the laying on the hands and the spirit and the, and the whole bit, they hear the gospel, they respond to it, and then they get to work. Okay? Like, this is, this is the pattern of Paul's ministry. As I go in, I preach for two, three weeks, uh, Ephesus stays longer, people hear the gospel, and then they just get to work. Or they come with me and become my fellow worker. So encouragement to our Baptist friends today is to take this same mindset. You are, every member of, of Baptist church, you are fellow workers in the gospel. Okay? If, if, you are ministers. Okay? You, if you are a member, you are evangelists. You are disciple makers. You have the same Bible Terry has. You have the same Holy Spirit Terry has. You have different giftings and skills than Terry has. So... The call here is to put those skills and giftings and, and, and commission, put it to work, okay? Go out, make disciples, start in your home, okay, with your children, make disciples, go to your job, make disciples, go out into the world, make disciples, because you are a fellow worker, okay? No, no, no degree required, okay? No certification required. If you are a, a follower of Jesus and you've received the spirit of God, Paul would look at you and say, hey, let's go. Yeah. Fellow worker, third Epaphroditus is a soldier. He says, my brother, my fellow worker, fellow soldier. And I think this designation is probably referring to uh, his attitude of enduring suffering until the job is done. Okay. There, there, there's no quit in Epaphroditus, okay, whether it's sickness, whether it's the, the general uh, cares of this present evil age, whether it's demons, Epaphroditus is a soldier, okay, he, he signed up to do a task, to do a job, to, you know, hop into the foxhole with Paul, and he's not quitting until it's done, okay, so Philippi sends Epaphroditus to minister to Paul, to help him, to encourage him, the next verse says, you sent him as a minister to my need, because I'm in prison and I got... Issues and this this job this task almost killed him. Okay, verse twenty seven it says indeed he was ill near to death. Verse thirty for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life for what? What's Epaphroditus risking his life for? To complete what was lacking in your service to me. Okay, now that's not a dig at them. I know you read it like Paul's like putting one in there. It's not what he's saying. They could they just couldn't all come. So they sent Epaphroditus to do what they could not do. And he's not going to quit in his ministry to Paul. He's going to soldier on no matter what it took. Why? I think Vardy said because he's Paul's brother, right? 
Paul's fellow worker, and so he's going to be Paul's fellow soldier. And why does a guy like Epaphroditus have a soldier mindset? Well, if he heard the same gospel that we've heard and, and we read in these letters, I can tell you why. He heard a gospel, okay? He heard a gospel call, right, now, and, and, and a, a, a response that, that's required that goes with it. He heard a gospel from Paul directly or from one of Paul's fellow workers that told him up front, hey, Epaphroditus, if you're going to follow Jesus, okay? You've heard the good news about the resurrection and the age to come, eternal life. If you're going to get there and follow Jesus on the way, you need to know that serving the Lord is a real battle with real enemy and real enemies, okay? Like, it, it, it's a hard road, right? So, where else do we get kind of um, soldier imagery in, in the New Testament? At least two places, right? At least two categories the apostles are talking about soldiering and armoring and fighting and all this stuff. The first category is your general day-to-day trial of following Jesus, okay? So anyone who's followed Jesus for more than five minutes knows that it's difficult, right? Your flesh wants to do this thing, the Spirit of God wants to do this thing, and you're wrestling this age just to go, I'm going to do this, right? Like that's just day-to-day thing that's happening all the time. So in this category, 2 Timothy, um, Paul is encouraging Timothy to, in the midst of intimidating circumstances, he says, Timothy, set your hope on the age to come and the resurrection. And he says this, 2 Timothy 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life, right? He doesn't get caught up with, with the little foxes and cares of this age. The soldier lives for the age to come, right? Sets his face like Flint, like, I'm going to do this thing that my commanding officer has said. He seeks to please. The commanding officer. He told me I have to do this. I'm going to do this. He said, don't leave your post. I'm not going to leave my post. I'm going to do this. Right. Soldier imagery. Day to day cares of life. Romans 13. Paul does the same thing. He's encouraging um, this church, which is bigger than the one in Philippi, uh, to stay on the path. Uh, Romans 13, 10. He says love is fulfilling the law. It's a whole deal. Verse 11. Besides this, you know the time. You know that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, okay? So in in Paul's mind, Jesus' return, day of the Lord, like it's near. The resurrection is near. The hour has come, Paul says, for, for you to wake, to be resurrected. For salvation, the resurrection, the age to come, salvation, that's nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night, this age, is far gone. The day, the age to come, it's at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of, of light, okay? So to follow Jesus in this age, right, faithfully requires the attitude of a soldier. It requires appropriate armor to, to, to live as in the daytime. So verse 13, with that armor, let us walk properly as in the daytime. Live now how you're going to live in the age to come. Does that make sense? Don't live in sexual immorality now. You're not going to live with it then. Don't live in, in hatred in your heart now. You're not going to live with them. Let us walk properly Now, as in the daytime, verse 14, and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Uh, 1 Thessalonians, he does the same thing. But since we belong to the day, we belong to the age to come. This age is not our home. Let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and helmet and the hope of salvation. Okay? So that's one category Paul gives for, for armoring. All right, soldiering. But what's the other one? What other category... Does Paul tie soldiering to? So you're dealing with the devil. 
Right? If you're dealing with the devil, Paul's like, all right, here's the armor. Put it on. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So you've got Epaphroditus. He's going to do a good thing, right? He, he, you know, he, he's, he's not going to Vegas. He's going to prison to help Paul. And he's afflicted with illness, right? He nearly dies risking his life to serve someone else. Like, you, you know, the narrative is if I'm serving God, things go well for me. I don't find a lot of that in our in our Bible. Some people, I mean, you know, Abraham gets fabulously wealthy and, and Joseph Arimathea fabulously wealthy. But like most of the people in this thing, they go to do a good thing. And who comes to attack immediately? The devil, right? You know what I mean? So put on the armor of God, soldier. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Why? So that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to to stand. So Epaphroditus is soldiering on in his task of ministry, I think, because the gospel that he heard at the start told him it's going to be hard. There's going to be trial. There's going to be tribulation. Like It's going to be difficult. You have to be a soldier. So when this stuff comes on Epaph... He's ready. He's prepared, right? Maybe he heard from one of Peter's congregations. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial that's coming on you. Like, don't, don't worry about it. He's ready. He's prepared. And he's enduring. And therefore, Paul writes, brother, worker, soldier. So to First Baptist and to Christian Life Church and to the unbeliever this morning who in the last 30 seconds has decided, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm done with I'm done with sin and self and all this stuff. I'm going to follow Jesus to you. The charge is to aim for this. Okay? Like this is the goal. To aim to live your life. To be on God's mission as soldiers. Understanding that. Just being clear. Just not having delusion about anything. Understanding that living as in the daytime of the age to come. While still in this present age. Requires a soldier's mindset. Okay? If your plan is to float through this age and just kind of drift into the age to come, you got another thing coming. Okay? It's hard. It's a narrow road, Jesus said. It's a difficult path. It requires understanding that there's a real war with a real enemy and, and, and armor is required. Okay? Like you don't you don't go in naked. It doesn't work. And it's understanding that it's worth it to fight the good fight and finish the race, okay? Like, Epaphroditus goes in to serve Paul, goes back to Philippi, and it's worth it. I wouldn't change a thing. Maybe the dysentery, I could do without that, but I wouldn't change a thing. I'll follow Jesus, I will serve him, and I will serve Paul like a worker, um, brother, and soldier. Okay? So to close, um, what does Paul want us to do with this little uh, aside? Right, so because you're reading Philippians... Chapter 1, it, you know, is obviously a lot of good stuff in there. And then chapter 2 is just like this mountain, right? Though in the form of God, he did not count the quality of God thing to be grasped. And then you get this weird little story about Timothy and Epaphroditus. So what do we do with it? Verse 29, he tells us. Here's why Paul put this in the letter. He says, so receive him. And we'll throw Timothy in there with him. 
Receive them in the Lord with all joy. And he says to honor such men. So that's what we want to do today um, as, as believers and, and as uh, members of, of churches first. We want to honor Jesus. Okay? I'm glad we honored uh, Margaret this morning. We're trying to honor First Baptist this morning. Uh, that Ultimately, that's, that's, that's not what we're about. <laughs> we want to honor Jesus. This is why we do the stuff that we do. Our, our songs, prayers, sermons, whatever. We want to be full of thanksgiving for his kindness towards us in his life. And his death and his resurrection and his ascension and his sending of the spirit to us and in the promise of his soon return. We want to honor him. We want to honor Jesus every Thursday morning. We end our prayer meeting. Jesus, we honor you today. Second, though, we just want to do what the Bible says and honor such men. Okay. So are there those in your life who, who walk out these Jesus-y uh, examples to obey the scripture today? Let them know. Okay? Go tell them. Go say, hey, your life provokes me to follow Jesus. Okay? I want to honor you. If, you. if you know them, they're out of town, you can call them. Okay? You can text them. In 2023, you can even see their face. And say, hey, I just want to honor you for your example of following Jesus. Okay? To honor such men. And then lastly, we want to honor such churches. So FBC, Tonkawa, you guys have, verse 20, shown genuine concern for our welfare. You have, verse 22, served with us in the gospel. And you have, verse 25, been our brothers, workers, soldiers, and messengers and ministers to us in our need. And therefore, we honor you and thank you for your service to us and to our Lord. Okay? So from the bottom of our heart, thank you guys. Thank you so much. Let's pray. And Robert, if you can come help us.